0: At 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday, June 15th, the telephone pealed, and if ever a peal was unappealing, that pitiless peal at 9 a.m. was it. I had set my alarm for 11, which was bad enough. I had crumpled into bed at 5, and I was toss-pot jealous of every tossing moment of slumber I had allotted to me. At first I thought it was the alarm, but when the pride open eyes finally focused and I saw the time, I knew it was the phone. The damned contrivance kept ringing like a toxic toxin with a venomous clapper, but unremitting, and there was only one way to stop it. With a feeble curse at the shade of Alexander Graham Bell, I lurched across the bed and lifted the receiver. Now, what the hell, I said to the mouthpiece. An excited voice said, Mr. Chambers, Mr. Chambers. Yes, Mr. Chambers, I mumbled. What can I do for you? No, no, I'm not Mr. Chambers, are you? Of course I'm Mr. Chambers. I hope I'm Mr. Chambers, who's this? Mr. Chambers, he said. Christ, I thought we'd settled that. I'm Chambers, Peter Chambers. Now, who are you and what do you want? Gosh, I thought I'd got a wrong number or something. This is Jack Medford here. Oh, no. My groan was brief, but abysmal. You got the right number, Jack, but you got the right number at the wrong time. Go back to sleep. Goodbye. Call later at a godly hour. Please, please, Mr. Chambers, it's important. Nothing is important at the crack of dawn, except sleep. Not the crack of dawn, sir. It's nine o'clock. To me, today, it's the crack of dawn. And if to me, today, the crack of dawn is at nine o'clock. But the rancor had recessed. Maybe it was the sir that had done it. Maybe it was the urgency in his voice. Maybe it was because he was a nice kid who had had some rough going and with whom I sympathized. Or maybe it was just because willy-nilly sleep was shattered and I was awake. I said, what's the matter, Jack? Trouble, Mr. Chambers. Oh No, not again. Not me, Mr. Chambers. Who? My father. Your father? I'll be right over, Mr. Chambers. I'll be there in ten minutes. And he hung up. What are you going to do? Youth is impetuous, and Jack Medford was an impetuous youth of twenty three. He was also the son of an old and dear friend, Charles R. Medford, a widower since the boy was five. And Charles and I had bucked some stormy gales on behalf of young Jack during his turbulent surge through adolescence. Jack was out of college now. He was a sculptor, avant-garde, and rather good, and, of course, selling nothing. He was supported, but not spoiled, accurately and stringently by his father. Jack had a studio at 57th Street and 7th Avenue, and my apartment is on Central Park South near 6th Avenue. And Jack had said ten minutes, and it would be no more, perhaps less. I clambered out of bed, lugubrious and hung, wondering what sort of fracas the boy and the father had gotten into this time. I had been sleeping raw. I washed my teeth, combed my hair, and put on pajamas. I collected the clothes I had dropped at bedside and hung them away. I went to the living room for hair of the dog, and hair of the dog tasted mangy. My tongue felt as though it were in the wrong mouth, and there were cobwebs on my palate. It had been a wet night. I had crawled the pubs with Alfred Cerf, who published books. I had been Alfred's guest because Alfred was bent upon soliciting my talents, such as they are, but before the night was over, he was no longer bent. He was fractured, as was I. Alfred was selling me on the pros of the con. He wanted me to collaborate with one Barry Howard on a book to be titled Confessions of a Con Man. He did not tell me too much. He sort of wet my appetite as he wet my whistle, wetting his own in the process, and when we had rolled into the brasserie at 4 a.m. for scrambled eggs, we were both as looped as a sailor's knot. We had an appointment for noon today at my office in order to discuss the project without benefit of alcoholic stimulus.